0: And one of the things I love to do in learning history is to make discoveries about people who lived in the same general region during the same time period, who may not have ever met or interacted in any way, but who each made their own mark. Sometimes these discoveries have little or no meaning, but sometimes the parallel is striking. I think you'll find quite remarkable the parallel I'm going to show you right now. In 1810, in the town of Bethel, Connecticut, the creator of the greatest show on earth was born. Phineas Taylor Barnum, better known as P.T. Barnum. In his early adulthood, he had a number of businesses going locally. He owned a general store, he dealt in real estate, he traded in books, and he ran his own newspaper. When he was 25, he took his dreams to another level. He moved to New York City, where he employed hundreds of ideas to entice people to pay money to see his shows. Over the years, he became quite wealthy by introducing his spectators to people, animals, and curiosities that were like nothing they'd ever seen. He built theaters, opened museums, and traveled the world with acts and talents that people by the thousands would gather to see. He was heavily criticized for promoting hoaxes, but he insisted that though some of his attractions might have been less than authentic, his shows were ultimately pleasing and entertaining to his customers. P.T. Barnum was all about making a big splash, attracting attention, drawing crowds, and separating people from their money. In 1820, ten years after P.T. Barnum was born, in Brewster, New York, just 15 miles away from where he was born, a couple with the last name Crosby welcomed a baby girl into the world. They named her Frances. When baby Frances was just six weeks old, her parents noticed that something was wrong with her eyes. They asked a traveling doctor to examine her and he placed a poultice over her eyes to try to draw out the infection. Instead, the concoction ran down into the baby's eyes and blinded her. Just a few months later, the baby's father fell sick and died. This left this little family of three women, a blind baby, her mother, and her grandmother, in a desperate position. To support them, baby Frances's mom went to work several miles away as a live-in maid, leaving the baby to be raised by her grandmother. As a young girl... Frances would think about her future. One day she turned her blinded eyes to the sky and told the Lord, I refuse to believe that I have no purpose in this life. I know that you have something for me to do. Please show me what my purpose is. When she was 15 years old, Fanny Crosby traveled to New York City to a brand new school called the New York Institution for the Blind. It was there that she not only received an education in standard subjects, but she was also taught skills that would aid her for the rest of her life. And it was at the New York Institution for the Blind that Fanny Crosby discovered her great love for poetry. When she was 24 years old, she dictated to a publisher from memory dozens of poems that she had authored. These poems would comprise her first book of poems titled The Blind Girl. She would spend a total of 35 years at the blind school, first as a student, then as a teacher. Her life would be about loving, Caring and serving those who were in need. She would write over 9,000 poems in her lifetime. She made very little money from her poems, and what little money she did make went mostly to helping the poor. While P.T. Barnum scoured the world searching for people whose handicaps and unusual appearances he could put on display in his shows, just blocks away, there was a true phenom, a young blind woman who could stand and quote for hours beautiful verse. That she had written. Born just 15 miles and 10 years apart, on the western border of Connecticut, they both made their way to New York City in 1835 for completely different reasons. For years, they pursued their ambitions just blocks from each other. But the parallel doesn't end there. P.T. Barnum built several large homes for his family in the town of Bridgeport, Connecticut, about 25 miles from his birthplace and 60 miles northeast of New York, where he had made his name. He served as mayor of Bridgeport when he was 65. He was very active in the city of Bridgeport until his death in 1891. He was buried at the Mountain Grove Cemetery. Fanny Crosby spent the last 11 years of her life in Bridgeport, Connecticut. She helped establish a rescue mission there that still has her name painted in large letters on the front of the building. She died in 1915 at the age of 95, and she was buried at the Mountain Grove Cemetery. When you visit the Mountain Grove Cemetery today, you can't miss P.T. Barnum's grave marker among the many thousands of graves. It's a monument about 40 feet tall. And roughly 50 yards away from it is a very small, very plain stone that simply reads, Aunt Fanny, she hath done what she could. Two people who probably never met. Born just 15 miles from each other, both houses are still standing, each with a historical marker identifying them. They each moved to New York City the same year, pursuing very different ambitions. And they're each buried in the same cemetery, about 50 yards apart. P.T. Barnum pursued a reputation as an entertainer. Fanny Crosby lived her life as a servant. All these years later, P.T. Barnum's life and reputation is rarely considered, while Fanny Crosby's hymns are sung around the world by hundreds of thousands of people every Sunday. Servant of the Lord... Bang!